mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 13. We're going to be beginning this morning in verse 14, but to be tedious a little bit, which I think is good, uh, I want to remind you of what is going on. As we begin chapter 13, uh, the disciples are with Jesus. They're walking by the temple. And they said, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus tells them, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now think about it. Again, I just want to always remind you, and I know it's tedious sometimes, but repetitiveness is uh, the best teacher, that everything about the Jewish life surrounded that temple. This magnificent structure, which Herod is even actually helping to build at this time to make sure uh, that the Jews are being nice and not uh, you know, throwing a fit. They're under Roman rule. And everything about their life is there. And, and the temples had to be rebuilt somewhat before. But Jesus is telling them that every stone will be thrown down. Now really, think about that, because it'd be like if I told you, and I did tell you that last week, that everything about America was going to change. Everything that you know is going to be thrown down. Because we've been born in this, we've been raised in this, we've, we've understood this, some of us for many more years than others. And yet everything's getting ready to change really quickly. Everything is kind of like in flux, and we're being crowded out of the norm It's an important word because that's what tribulation means. It means to be crowded out. Do you feel crowded out in your opinion? Crowded out in the decisions you're making in life? Do you feel like that? I mean, that's tribulation. They're they're crowding you out of the norms. And And they're pressing in on you. And there's no time to really make decisions anymore. And then they begin to crowd you out and they tell you, you're not allowed to go out of your house without a mask. They crowd you out and they tell you, You're not allowed to go to church. And they're running into you. And they say, you can't sing out loud if there's only five of you in church. See, and we're getting all this crowding into our lives. I feel a little bit pressed in upon. I feel a little bit violated when the government's telling me things and telling me that I have to do them because they say. And then you have the propaganda, the, the lion snake media, the, 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 the media telling us things that just simply aren't true. 
Think about it. You have to follow the science. Really? Is that what you're following in biology when you say that there's more than two genders? You have to follow the science. Really? Is that what you're saying with, with all the pollution and the stuff that's going on to climate change? See, it's all a lie. We're being crowded out. But what are we being crowded out from? What are we being taken from? Truth. We're being moved away from the plumb line of Jesus and the truth of God's word. Is it really science? Is it really truth when they say that, 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 that marriage is not a man and a woman, which it's been for over 6,000 years? And now they begin to crowd you out of those opinions. And then they force them all up on everybody and make them feel like if you don't agree with what we're saying, we will cancel you. Oh, yeah. They're throwing them in jail in other countries. They put them in indoctrination stations. They have to re-educate them if they don't think the same way they want you to think. Does that crowd you a little bit? Listen to me. So they get alone with Jesus on the Mount of Olives, which this is typically called the Olivet Discourse. And they say, man, when's this going to be, Jesus? Now think about it. Are you getting alone with God and saying, when is this going to be? When are these things going to happen? Oh, I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe you saved me, and I believe these things, Lord, and I'm learning a little bit about the Bible, and I'm trying to do better. But what do I do now? Are you getting alone with God? Because He doesn't give them a date when they ask. He says, take heed that you are not deceived. So what does that tell us? That the most important thing on the heart of God right now about you and your salvation is to make sure you're not deceived. And I, and I would be the same way. Listen to me. If I was giving you some great gift, if I was laying my life down for you, as a parent does for their children, and you do everything to raise them and then the rope breaks and they go the other way, how bad do you feel about it? Well, Jesus laid down his life. He poured out his blood. He wants them to get this salvation and come back into not just his graces, but a love relationship with him. He didn't want them to be deceived because think about the waste and the trampling underfoot of his blood. If, if it's wasted and you're deceived from it and he knows there's an enemy that's trying to do that. But he also wants you to do your part. See, because he could have created, somebody asked me this the other day, well, why didn't he just create us that way? Because he didn't want robots. He wants people who will love him because he first loved us. He wants you to make the choice, just turn toward home as the prodigal son did and come to your senses and say, I choose you, Jesus, because you first chose me. I want to love you because you love me. And then he does all the rest of the work if you keep coming. But you can't turn around on the road. You can't deceive yourself. You can't let somebody else deceive you. He's done everything for us. So the most important thing that he's worried about is that you and I are not deceived following the lie. And what does he do? He leaves us a road map. Emmanuel, God with us. He leaves us the 66 books by 40 authors to know who he is. To know who we are, to know what he's done, what he's doing, what he's going to do. 
And he doesn't say that we should actually go, man, I know there's only about a year left in eight minutes, so I'm going to go play for a year, and then I'll wait on that last eight minutes. See, he doesn't want that. He wants a relationship where your heart is already surrendering, where he's already doing the work, where he says, I'm in you and you are in me, because apart from me, you do nothing. But you can bear much fruit if you begin to cooperate and surrender and get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, then his spirit builds fruit in your life. And what's that fruit? It's the fruit of Christ-likeness. It's the fruit of, 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 of like the Father. So it's so important that we understand that there is a great deception. The enemy has come to rob, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, quit searching for times and days and answers and years and take heed in your heart that you're not being deceived. The most important thing. So let me ask you a question. What are you doing today? To make sure you're not deceived. Listen to me. I didn't say, did you go to church to do your pious work so you feel good about yourself so that you think you're okay? What are you doing to be equipped to keep from being deceived and ending up in hell? Or deceived and never living the life that God wanted you to live. Deceived and not walking in the gifting that you were called to walk in. Deceived and never having the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. See, there's an entire inheritance that comes with salvation. But the enemy wants to deceive you out of the riches that are in Christ Jesus. What are you doing to make sure that you're not being deceived out of those? Listen, you can tell me, I'm no willy lump lump. Listen, Greg, quit acting like I'm an idiot. Quit acting like I'm stupid. Listen, this is not a sofa that you're buying for the living room. This is not, I'm pretty smart. I know how to buy a used car. You know, this is eternal, spiritual, your soul that we're talking about. It's not physical. None of us know. None of us know. And if in our pride we act like I've got this figured out and I'm pretty smart and I'm no willy lump lump, I can do what I want to do, then all of us are in trouble at the heart of our Christian walk. Because the only way you can keep from being deceived is to surrender to Jesus, to surrender to the work of the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit of God in everything that you do. Because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. They're in the house of God. They've turned their heart to God. And they've come to their senses. And then they've been clothed by God. And they long to be further clothed at the glorification after we finish and get across the finish line. There's no other way. We have to, we have to depend upon the gift of God and the grace of God and do that by faith. So it can't be a, oh, I got this figured out. I know, like a little kid. We talked about this the other night. You know, the little kid, you say, don't go there. And they go, I know. Okay, why not? I don't know. Do you know? What are you doing to keep from being deceived? See, that's it. Growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ is what keeps you from being deceived. 
But if you're not even trying to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, like praying, reading the Word of God, fellowshipping, the things that God has left for us, cooperating with the Holy Spirit, confessing your sins, but your whole focus is on getting stuff, your whole focus is on this world, then you're deceived. Because all of this is going to be thrown down. It's going to be destroyed. And the only thing that's going to matter is what did you do with my son? What did you do with the salvation that I gave you? Because salvation is deliverance from death. Salvation is deliverance from the sin nature. Salvation is deliverance from here into the domain of light. Into his presence forever. So what are you doing to keep from being deceived? And that's really what the meeting together is about. The equipping of the saints to do what? The work of the ministry. So what are you doing to keep from being deceived? Let me tell you what deceived means first. And let's see if you've got your plan together. Deceived is this in the Greek. Deceived means to cause to roam from safety. See, that's what salvation is, is safety in Christ. It, it means to, to cause to roam from truth or virtue, to go astray, to seduce. It means to be out of the way. See, a, discipler, a, a disciple of Christ is someone who is following Christ. And someone who is following is in the way with Christ. So what's that mean? Being led by the Spirit. But this deception comes... When you are deceived into following something else and thinking you're okay, you're seduced and you're following self. You're following some other ism. You're following culturanity. And you're following those things that do not lead to heaven. But they're, but they're governed by your heart, by pride, by covetousness. Well, I, I just work and I do this because I want to get this. What about the work of God? See, because we've been called to grow, to go. We've been called to the ministry of reconciliation of souls. And we're supposed to be watching for His glorious appearing, waiting till that day, and then working in His kingdom. But what, is they, what have we been deceived into doing? Everything but that, for the most part. Really, listen, the nation of Israel was the same way. If you follow the history of the Bible, you see the nation of Israel. God was leading them. God was delivering them. He was, a, he was a cloud by day and a fire by night. And they go, we want a king like the rest of the nations. All they wanted was to be like everybody else. That's our number one excuse today for the next generation. Leave us alone. We're doing our own thing. We want to be like this. I want to be like them. How about be like Christ? That's what salvation is. Doesn't matter about the physical and the outside. What matters is, is that you and I are the living stones. We're the temple of the living God. And we're being knitted together. And every stone that isn't following Christ, being led by the Spirit, is going to be thrown down into the depths of hell. So take heed that you're not deceived in your Christian walk. Because you could be following the wrong Jesus. 
You can be living in your own emotions, your own feelings, your own perception. That's a big word, isn't it? You know what that means? How you feel about it, how you think about it, what you see. You know how often that's wrong? Proverbs 12, 15, there's a way that seems right in a man's heart, but in its way is death. Repeated in 1625, I think. I might not have the quotes right, but it's repeated twice in the book of Proverbs. That's your perception. There's a whole field in psychology, which is deception. It's called perceptual psychology. How people perceive things. That's how they use marketing. That's how they use propaganda. That's how they use fake news. And you're watching it. You're following it. You're thinking, well, these guys can't be lying. They got PhDs behind their name. And Jesus says, are you deceived? Are you really going to follow them instead of my truth? Are you deceived? Are you really going to follow what they're telling you today instead of follow what my word already has told you? And I have all kinds of prophecies and types and all this truth to lead you there. And you're going to make the same mistake that your parents made. You're going to make the same mistake that the nation of Israel made. You're going to make the same mistake that everybody else has made because they were deceived by the devil and followed their own heart and not my truth, not led by my spirit. And he says, please, don't do that. I love you with a never-ending love. I've given you an instruction book. And yet, in your pride, you decide that you're not going to follow my authority. See, because it all goes back to, did God really say? It all goes back to, are you listening to truth? It all goes back to His, His creation. His delegated authority. His power. He has all power. He's the head of all principalities and powers. And yet we fight against leaders. We fight against our parents. We fight against the, the, in the construction of the church. We fight against what He has put in charge of us as elders and deacons and leaders. And we fight everything and say, I'm no willy lump lump. I'm not stupid. I can do this. And the whole time, we're fighting against God. It's age-old sin. Did God really say, I'm not listening. I got my own way of following Jesus. I'm going to go do it by myself. That's deception. That's a cause to roam from safety, to be seduced and be out of the way. He has designed it so that we're living stones together. He's designed it so that we will desire relationships. And you have to die to self and say, I'm wrong. I'm going to surrender to this and trust the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to use my gifts and talents and abilities and work together inside of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church to do the work of the ministry for the salvation of my soul first and then other souls so that we can get across the finish line here well done good and faithful servant and not be thrown down like the rest of the physical things that are going to get thrown down in the judgment day see because everything that's not underneath the power of god that's not underneath the blood of jesus will be definitely thrown down So what are you doing to keep from being deceived? What are you doing instead of following Christ? 
What are you doing instead of being in the word, prayer, and fellowship? Listen to me. The entire spirit of the age, the entire spirit of seduction, the entire spirit of deception is instead of Christ. Antichrist. That's what anti means. Instead of, in place of. What are we doing instead of following Christ and what he's designed? That's the deception. That's every bit of it. Take heed that no one deceives you, especially yourself. Self-deception is the worst. Be doers and not hearers only, deceiving yourself, James tells us. I'm okay. I'm okay. I said a prayer. I'm okay. I went to church once this year. I'm okay. I'm okay. I got a Bible. Nothing to do with it. It'll help you. It'll aid you. But it's surrendering, coming to your senses, turning your heart toward home, and getting involved with what God is doing in the reconciliation of souls. He'll do the rest. Just surrender. So as we get there, he tells us in all of this that there's going to be great tribulation, that people are going to be arrested. People are going, families will turn against families. He tells a whole bunch of stuff. Nation will rise against nation. Let me remind you that nation is ethnos. It's our racial tension that we see right now. It's on the planet. Nation is ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity. It's, it's tribes of people who practice certain things. Do you know the word race is never in the Bible? Go look it up. Well, I, I, I digress. It's in there four times. But it's always about running a race. It's not a people. Race is something that the deceivers made up to divide. There's only one race, the human race. In fact, he's made us all from one blood. Not race, one blood. Which blood are you covered in? Which blood are you living in? What blood decides your life? The blood of Jesus or your physical blood? See, because he already tells us that brother will betray brother to death. Father will betray, betray his child to death. That's some pretty alarming stuff. Is COVID going to bring some things in like that? Well, I seen them. They didn't wear a mask. They didn't get the vaccine. They won't do it. They won't obey the governing authorities. And then verse 13 of 13, Mark 13 says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Listen, there's a lot of persecution that's already happening in the world, and there's a lot of it coming. It's going to get bad. I know people go, well, you can't talk about that. Just tell them everything's good. No, it's going to get bad. 
our blessed hope is still Jesus. Our rest is still in Jesus. Our peace still comes from God. And we're okay because to be absent from the body will be present with God. And that's the mark we're supposed to be looking at anyway as the people of God. And we see that this happened to them specifically in A.D. 70 under the rule of Titus. But listen to what he goes on to say, and we'll pick up in today's lesson. That was more of a uh, do not be deceived. Make sure you're enduring. Stand up under it. Make sure that you continue doing the word of God and following the truth of God. And don't be deceived to follow the lies of the devil at this point in the game, at this point in your life. So when you see um, the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may be in winter. Excuse me, and pray that your flight may not be in winter, for in those days there will be tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor even shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake whom he chose, he shortened the days. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed. See, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. We'll stop there. And we'll look at the parable of the fig tree, but not today. Father, pour out your spirit and help us to understand such hard things. Help us to see what you would say to the church today. And help us not to be deceived by the enemy or by ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, I preface this by saying yes He's speaking to Israel. Yes, this happened in A.D. 70. But yes, everything that's happened in the Bible becomes a prophecy or a type or something that's an example for you and I to glean from. So we're going to see that Jesus now points at, he authenticates that Daniel was a prophet. He authenticates Daniel because many people in today's age, uh, I won't mention any name, <coughs> Eugene Peterson, uh, don't believe the, the author, one of the authors of the Message Bible, which is a tainted Bible, doesn't believe that Daniel is authoritative, doesn't believe that it was written until after the things happened. 
So these are very important things. They don't believe in Genesis. They, don't, they believe these books were written because they're so perfectly written by the prophet of God who's listening to the word of God and the Spirit uses them to write it down that they say there's no way this could have been written before these things happen. So Jesus points at Scripture. Scripture. See, we should write a book someday that says it is written to point people to Scripture. Because so many sermons and so many pastors and so many people tell you all kinds of things, but they don't point to Scripture. Take heed that you're not deceived. Jesus always pointed to Scripture. In fact, He was the living Scripture, if we might say it that way. The Word of God. So, He points and says, to help them understand, when you see the abomination of desolation, or which brings desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, then let those who in Judea flee to the mountains. Now listen, there's a couple things going on here. And now we know that Mark is writing this letter. Um, so he knows that they're going to be reading it. Right? So he says, let the reader understand. So we're the readers also down the corridors of time. When you're reading it, God wants to give you understanding of what he's saying. Right? Now, many people will run quickly to Daniel, and you'll look at Daniel uh, 9, 24 through 27, which speaks of this, but also 11. Where's my notes? Better look at my notes or I'll get caught out there. 11.31 and in 12.11, they speak of the abomination which brings desolation. Now again, listen to me very clearly because in, eight, in B.C. 168, this happened. Antichus Epiphanes, a Syrian leader... Stormed the city ended up stopping all worship in the temple because he went in and he put up an idol to Zeus and he sacrificed a pig on the altar to make things simple for us. And so they desecrated the temple, the place of worship. And this is before Christ, B.C., 168 years. So here's, here's what I want you to see is that while Jesus is saying this, the false teachers of the time are probably telling them that the prophet Daniel talked about the abomination which brings desolation, and it's already happened. Because they believed, I mean, it happened more times. Nebuchadnezzar did it when he went in and took all the instruments from the temple. I mean, it's happened a bunch of times. But, but in their culture, if they think it's already happened, what happens to you? If you think you're already okay, what happens to you? If you said a prayer and you think you're fine, what happens to you? You're deceived. Because there's much more to this salvation than that. If they believe that when Antichus Epiphanes sacrificed a pig was the abomination of desolation, they believe Daniel's already been fulfilled. And it was being fulfilled, but it's also got a future fulfilling. Some might call it a dual prophecy. It could be called a repeating prophecy. Because when Titus, the general, comes in and he destroys Jerusalem and everything is thrown down, once again, the abomination that brings desolation happens. 
But they weren't looking for it. They were looking for a Messiah who was going to come into his temple and was going to set up earthly rule. And they were going, hey, can we be at your right hand? Can we be at your left? They were being taught falsely. They were being led astray. They were being deceived by the teachers of the day because they weren't looking to God. They were looking to man. They weren't looking to the scriptures. They were looking to man. And man was deceived. They were living a physical life, pretending and going to the temple three times a day. They believed that they were going to be saved and they were waiting for the Messiah. And the whole nation rejected the Messiah because of deception, led astray. So see, there's a whole lot of things taught about the abomination that brings desolation. But what Jesus wants you to understand is not to be deceived. What is he saying? Because when this happened in A.D. 70, it really did happen. They really did flee to the mountains of Pella. They really did run for their life. There was people probably really praying that I won't be pregnant during that time because it's going to be hard to be pregnant or nursing a baby. So it happened. But it still points to the end of times. To the nation of Israel, it was pointing to what was going to happen in A.D. 70 because he had to destroy their worship of what they knew and they could begin to worship him in spirit and truth under a new covenant, which was always the old covenant always pointed to him. So as Daniel wrote it, it happened. It happened in, when Nebuchadnezzar came. Took everything. It happened in with Antichus Epiphanes. Which, if you look at that, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Don't care. But when I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, how's that spelled? Oh, it's A-N-T-I. Ticus comes from the word Antioch. Which Antioch is right there in Turkey which is one of the countries that's in Syria now that's going to be coming against Israel again. But anti is the, first, the root word, anti, instead of. Which is antichrist, instead of. It's the same thing. It's to cause deception. It's to twist the scriptures. It's a good name for a band, Twisted Scripture. Stole that. Listen. So it has happened, and, I, and I'm not going to go into Daniel, you know, and, and go through the 70-week thing. Some people probably are looking for that, but I'm not going into that because I want you to not be deceived, okay? When you go into Daniel 9 and you see 70 weeks, the word weeks is the word seven. If you look it up, it's the word seven. It comes from the word Shabbat, which is the perfection, it's got two root words. Um, there's a cardinal number, Shiba, which means seven as the sacred fool one or seven times, sevenfold. But anyway, weeks, when you read it, we wouldn't know. But it really means 70 times seven if you go to read that. And I would give you some homework and you read, Daniel. We're getting ready to read it in our schedule. We start it tomorrow, I think, on our schedule. But when you get to 9, 10, and 11, pay attention to what's going on there. 
Because Daniel was given these prophecies about the end times, the end days. Because these are types of the abomination of desolation. But do you know that once the temple was thrown down in A.D. 70? Think about that for a minute. How, more, how, how much more did people think it's over with now? The abomination of desolation that Daniel prophesied about certainly is finished now. Because there's no temple. It's all thrown down. See, and here it says, this is written to Gentiles, so it says, uh, standing where he ought not to stand. In Luke and in Matthew, it says, standing in the holy place. See, so anybody that would know the word of God would know that this is referring to somebody standing in the holy place, which is what Nebuchadnezzar did when he took the stuff out of the temple, which is what uh, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes did, the Syrian ruler, when he had his soldiers go in and sacrifice and, and rub pig oil all over the altar. They're standing there. But now the temple's gone, A.D. 70, when Titus comes in and defiles it. And so from A.D. 70 on till now, there is no holy place to be standing. So it has to be telling us of something else, doesn't it? No. The temple's going to be rebuilt. The third temple. In fact, the nation of Israel has everything ready, except they don't have a temple. They have everything ready. They have the red heifer. They have all the implements. They know who the priests are. They've got everybody trained. You can go online and look at all of this. They're just waiting for the temple to be built so that they can restore sacrifice. So what is this pointing to? It's pointing to the end of the age now that it's been fulfilled in A.D. 70. Just notice it's 70. The perfect sevens. 70 weeks, 70... Anyway, I'm not going to go into all that because I'd, just, I'd probably lose myself and lose you. And it's so deep that it's, that it's uh, 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 worth searching. But what's most important is that you're not deceived today. Because there is a period futuristically from this where there's going to be the final abomination that brings desolation. That, that the Antichrist, instead of Christ, will come and there's going to be a peace agreement that's made with Israel so they can rebuild their temple. And they can continue to do sacrifice and worship their God. It's a seven-year peace agreement. And, and if you read chapter 9 of Daniel, you'll see why I'm talking about 70 weeks. But that peace agreement that's signed... Does, any, does anybody know what John 5.43 says? Jesus said to the Jews, he said, I've came in my father's name and you have not received me. But another will come in his own name and you will receive him. It's speaking of the Antichrist. The Jewish nation believes the Antichrist because he helps them rebuild their temple and brings false peace. And, and they choose him instead of the true Christ because he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. You and I. So instead of is who the Jews will choose. And they will literally choose this guy as the, anti, as the Christ, their Messiah. And for three and a half years, they're going to believe that he is their Savior. Until what? Until he stands in the place that he ought not. He's going to stand in the holy place, and he's going to put 
either himself or some idol on the throne and say, worship me, I am God. And then they're going to know that he's not. Now, I don't know that these texts are referring to the church. I believe, personally believe this in pre, what's called pre-tribulation rapture. I believe if you study the Bible long enough, you'll find that out. If you're growing in the Lord, you need to start finding out what does pre-tribulation rapture mean. You need to know what that term means because it's part of our blessed hope. In other words, at about the same time, we might not even see the seven-year peace agreement. The church is caught away. Harpazzo, snatched out of here. Now, in this text, we're told that God shortened the times of this attack in A.D. 70. And they fled to Pella. He shortened that attack for the sake of the elect, the Jewish nation, the, the, the church that was to come. It was already started and there, but he shortened it. So whether that text is referring to futuristically tribulation, saying, see, this gets really, this gets really uh, in-depth and is the meat of the Word of God. A tribulation, saying, is somebody who believes after the rest of the church is gone. And some people believe that there's what's called tribulation saints. A person who dies for their faith after the Holy Spirit has been removed, after God has been removed, after, after everything's let loose for the Antichrist to rule during the Great Tribulation. And you have to have your head cut off. But it also is the 144,000. It's the nation of Israel. I don't want to lose you because the point of my message always is about your walk. The point of my message is always about do not be deceived and make sure that you're ready to go for the rapture. I have a friend that doesn't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, but he says he's pro-rapture. In other words, he's for it whenever it happens because there's a bunch of different beliefs. There's the pre-trib before the tribulation, before the seven-year period. There's uh, mid-trib, pre-wrath now, right? That's a big one now. Pre-wrath, before the wrath of God is poured out. And then there's all millennials who don't believe that there's any tribulation, and they don't believe that there's any millennial reign of Christ. I think it's called all millennial. The question is, is are you being deceived? See, because if you're just staring in the headlights like a deer in the headlights and doing nothing about your salvation, doing nothing to equip yourself, doing nothing to walk out and be led by the Spirit, doing nothing to, to fulfill what God has called you here for, then you're being deceived. Because it's not a spectator sport. Christ bought you with His blood. You're not your own. You now belong to the Father. And in the Father's house, you're supposed to be doing what He's called you to do. You're supposed to be turning your heart toward home and walking out your faith, telling other people that you've been set free. But we've turned it into this cultural thing where there's men that boss us around and we do what they say and only do as much as we want to do because they won't say too much to us because if they do, we'll go to another church. Listen to me, this is flesh. 
It's what happened to the nation of Israel. They had leaders, and they said to Jesus, well, who taught him letters? He doesn't know letters. He didn't go to Hebrew high. Gamaliel didn't teach him. If they didn't choose you, you weren't a teacher. And Jesus was the author and the finisher of faith. Jesus was God with them, and they refused to believe it. And so it's not about your teachers. It's about being a Berean who studies the Scriptures and searches them to see if what is said is true. That you're not being deceived. You're having a personal love relationship. And that relationship changes you because the Spirit of God comes into you and you have a desire to do the will of God. And that's why we're waiting, watching, and working. We're not entangled with the affairs of this life. So we can please him who called us to be a soldier. So yes, this text is about Israel. But yes, this text becomes a prophecy, I believe, of the final days of this planet. Where a peace agreement will be made. Whether the church is still here, the bride is here or not, I do not know. It's going to be really close when you look at Scripture. It won't matter to me because I'm focused on the reconciliation of souls. And no matter what happens from right now, this day, until I go in the rapture and be with Christ, it's all about Christ. It's all about His ministry of reconciliation of souls to the best of my ability as I surrender to the work of His Spirit. So that's what the saint is called to do. Listen to me. Well, you know what? We just read it yesterday. Let's look at something real quick, and I'll come back to that thought. Look at Second Peter. I really like this because Peter... Peter's uh, uh, put his foot in his mouth a whole bunch of times as a man, but he begins to surrender. And you might have put your foot in your mouth a whole bunch of times, but you begin to surrender to the work of the Spirit. And really the first thing I wanted you to look at was um, 1.15. Listen to this. This is pretty cool. He says, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. See, he's doing that now in Scripture as you read it. He's doing that with the Holy Spirit. I just wanted you to know that there's always a reminder of what we're supposed to do. There's always the Spirit of God drawing you back to surrender and to following and doing what you're called to do. But, and he talks about a bunch of stuff about as his death is, and he talks, then he talks about the prophetic word. But I wanted to pick up in 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat by fire, not by flood again. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The earth and the works that are in it. That's works done in the flesh, not by the Spirit. The earth and everything that is flesh will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct? That's your walk. In godliness, that's becoming like Christ. Looking for... See, we're looking for His glorious appearing. And then hastening, we're urging Him, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're urging Him. Why? Because we're trying to get souls saved. We're speeding up that time. Hastening 
the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, see, that doesn't have to shake us, because we're not going to be in that. Nevertheless, we, the church, we, we are, we, anytime you see we, it's who the church is, identity, inheritance, according to his promise, look, that's where our eyes are fixed, for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Turn your heart toward it now. Therefore, beloved, looking, are you looking forward to these stains? See, you don't fear death if you're looking forward to these things. All you want to do is fear God and walk out your calling. Be diligent to be found by Him in peace through Christ, without spot and blameless in Christ. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Now, he just said that the long-suffering of God, don't think that, and I started to read that, it's verse 8, because he, he's, not, he's not waiting He's not tarrying. It's his long suffering. He doesn't want any to perish. He wants everyone to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I didn't read that verse. That was the verse just before. But if you were reading through the schedule, you'd be reading about this right now. And it parallels what we're talking about in Mark about the end of the age. This is after the seven year tribulation. As also our brother Paul, this is why I wanted to really read a part of it according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, his letters, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand. Let the reader understand, but it's hard to understand. Even Peter, who was a disciple, who walked with Jesus right there next to him, was warned not to be deceived. Even Peter, who walked right there with him, said, man, I was reading Paul's letter, and I've listened to Paul, and he's hard to understand. But Jesus said, you need to understand, right? He said, they're hard to understand sometimes. So you got to study. you got to draw near. you got to ask God for wisdom. I like that about Peter. He's being honest about Paul. That, but God gave him what to write, and it's hard to understand. Isn't that interesting? Because God's ways are not our ways. Which untaught and unstable, here's what I wanted to get you to about deception. Untaught and unstable people twist in their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Listen, this is why you have to be close to God, drawing near to God. Make sure your election, be a Berean, be careful not to be deceived. There's people that are teaching scripture and they twist them. It sounds good. It sounds like what they're saying really fits my flesh. It really fits the way I want it to be. What if there is no pre-tribulation rapture? What if you're getting ready to get tossed in uh, to, to tribulation and trouble in prison for 10 days? You know, or whatever it is, a period of time. What if you're getting ready to have to die as a martyr for Christ to go to heaven? Think about that for a minute. Think about it long and hard. Because the people in the text did, every one of them. They were literally attacked by opposing army. And the city destroyed and all the stones thrown down. And their whole way of life was upended. And what did he tell them? I still love you. 
I still died for you. He hasn't went yet, but he did. Don't be deceived. Stay focused. Endure to the end so you can be saved. Don't believe in a false Christ that's coming afterwards. See, because all this happened, and then a bunch of false Christ came again. A bunch of people said they were the Christ because the Israel didn't believe that he was the Christ, and he was. So it leaves room. If you don't believe, it leaves room for more and more and more and more to come. If you think that Jesus is not enough, it means your heart is chasing other stuff. And so that's why the nation of Israel, when Jesus came in his name, John 5, 43, and they didn't receive him, they're going to receive another that comes in his own name. He comes and says he's the Christ at the end of the age, in the tribulation period. We're looking for him now. I believe he's here now on the world scene, a leader that's going to bring world peace and bring everything together. They're already announcing the only way for us to deal with COVID is to let one world ruler rule everything and make sure we're all on the same standard. We're already getting the same propaganda and news all around the world. It's not just the, the lying snake media of America that says these things about Donald Trump and about America and about what we have to do. It's, it's other countries that are saying the same things because they're all ruled by one money one people one group which all goes back to the devil who wants to set up his antichrist a ruler he wants to bring world peace and jesus says careful that you're not deceived you could be focused on many things But there's people twisting the scriptures. I mean, most of the church today is following sociology. They're following the Black Lives Matter. They're following all these camps that have nothing to do with Jesus. It's a bunch of worldly psychology. It's a bunch of worldly demonic influence in the church. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. Because all lives matter. So he says in 17, Peter, 2 Peter 3, 17, this is you and me, we, you therefore. Because of all this is going on, you therefore. He promised us he would leave us a reminder, you therefore, beloved, beloved of God, since you know this beforehand, isn't that what Jesus said, I tell you this beforehand? Beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, that, works, that word's in our text, the same exact word, it's in 1325, fall from your own steadfastness, it means to drop away, to be driven out of one's course, the course that we're running. It means to lose or become inefficient in your fate. Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked, of wickedness, but grow, always be on the grow, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Listen to me. This was yesterday's reading. How pertinent for the text. How pertinent for our lives always. The rock didn't leave us without a testimony. 
let's go back to our text and try to pick up the thought that we were dealing with that there's going to be a seven-year peace agreement Seven years of tribulation, which the world has never seen. Now, listen, up until this time, they had never seen anything like this. They thought it was bad in B.C. 168 when Antiochus Epiphanes from Syria come and attacked. Listen, do you guys know that right now that all the countries that Ezekiel 38 say are supposed to be in Syria once again are in Syria? And they're waiting to attack Israel again. And they're going to trample the city underfoot again. These are things that are going to happen. Now, that's not, I don't know that that's going to happen before we leave. Or it's going to happen after we leave. Or if it's going to happen at the three and a half year period of that peace agreement when they come in. I, I don't know. And potentially I could say, I don't care. My care is not to be deceived in how I should be living right now. What manner of person I should be right now because judgment is coming. And it starts in the house of the Lord. It starts with the children of God. So let the reader understand when these things happen that they are to flee to the mountains. Notice this. This is urgency. There's not even an urgency in the church today. People are asleep. We see all the countries in Syria. We, we see the things that are going on in the world today. And there's still no urgency to walk out this life in Christ and see souls saved. These are supposed to drive us to our God. These things that happen when suffering and tribulation and trouble comes, they're supposed to drive us to a closer relationship where we return to our first love. It's supposed to be a way of purifying the church when tribulation comes. It's supposed to be a way of revealing our faith so we know what we're trusting in. And still, there's no urgency. And that's what I want you to see here in the text on A.D. 70. When these things happen, he said that there's an urgency. Flee quickly. Don't be playing around. Flee useful lust and begin to walk out this life of Christ. Flee means to run away, to shun, to escape the snare of the devil, the deception of the devil. Notice what he said to them. And this is what the church needs to hear today. There needs to be an urgency in the sharing of our faith, in the winning of souls. There needs to be an urgency in the purification of our hearts in the way that we are living. What manner of men we ought to be. Flee to the mountains. I know where my hope comes from. Do you know where your hope comes from? I'm fleeing to Christ. I'm fleeing to God. He's my mountain that's higher. Let him who is on the housetop. Now listen, housetop is where their patios were. It's where they spent their leisure time. And it, and it wasn't as hot up there. That's where their patio was. So let him who's on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. Isn't that what Lot's wife did? She wanted to look back. She wanted to go back. She was doing what she was doing. And he says, escape, flee, run. 
These are the types that we have. The Bible gives us of what we're supposed to be doing. Escape. Judgment is coming. Have an urgency. This is serious stuff. It's not buying a car. It's not a sofa. This is our souls and it's eternity. And yet the church is still asleep. Much like the nation of Israel who said, get out of the way. We're trying to have a festival to celebrate our God and what he's done for us. And we're crucifying him at the same time. We're trampling him at the same time. That's what the nation of Israel did. The church is repeating it. We're asleep at the wheel. Me, you, everybody, I think. No, there's always a witness. There's always a remnant. Notice the urgency. Don't go back into the house, but flee. And let him who's in the field not go back and get his clothes. Somebody's working. Their focus is on working. Don't worry about your clothes and going back to get your outer cloak. Hang on. I know there's some urgency here that the enemy's coming and we're all going to die and judgment's coming. But let me go get my coat. We're worried about the things we're not supposed to be worried about. That's the point of the text. When he tells us things beforehand, when he's warning us, there should be an urgency to get our hearts right, our lives right, to enter into the work that he's called us to do, to be careful not to be deceived. This is serious stuff. And yet we don't flee. We don't escape. We don't shun those things that are lies and stays to the scriptures. We don't, we stay on our little leisure time. And, and what about my vacation? What about my time? What about my patio? Well, I got to go to work. Listen, the only work that's important is the salvation of souls. I understand taking care of your family. I understand being a good steward. I understand that. But our heart and our minds and everything about us has to be about the reconciliation of souls. I've been praying about quitting my job. Crazy, huh? But what's really important in this time of urgency when the, when the end is so near, when we can see it, is encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We're supposed to be stirring up love and good works. We're supposed to be seeing that souls are saved and the church is completely asleep in America. Completely asleep. How do you know that? Because they're not coming back to church. They're not complaining that, that, that the, that the ter tyrannical governments are saying don't go to church. They're happy with staying at home and pretending like they're okay. They're happy with sorting their socks. The church today is not concerned about the agenda of God because they weren't concerned before COVID about God's agenda. They was only concerned about their lives. I'm just saying it. Careful that you're not deceived. I said last week, or was it Friday? I said, we can praise the Lord for COVID. It's something that can make us wake up and really test our faith and say, what am I going to do? Am I going to walk around and listen to the government? Or am I going to get in line and listen to the Spirit of God and trust God? COVID isn't God. The government isn't God. The, 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 the powers to be are not God. It's God is God. And He sent His Christ. He provided for us a way out. And we need to be in the way with him. I'm sorry if I am yelling. I get a little excited over this. There's an urgency to be focused on the destruction, the judgment. 
to come. Look at this, verse 17. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Listen, again, it happened and it's going to happen again in the end of the age. But notice God's concern and God's heart over babies. Listen, we're killing them today at 3,000 a day in America. God has a heart for those babies. He's saying woe to those who are just pregnant. Think about it. because You know why? Because the armies, the invading armies are going to cut those babies out of the womb. We're doing it as doctors today. We're doing it and paying for it with our taxpayer money. And God is concerned about it even in His judgment when it comes into tribulation. And yet we don't seem to be concerned about it. There's a guy in Georgia that claims to be a pastor. He's a liar. He's from the pit of hell. He's running for a Senate seat. And he says it's okay to kill babies. And he's probably going to get elected to the Senate, just like the rest of the spirit of this age. Yet there's no urgency of the church to be concerned about death all around us, lawlessness all around us. What do we do? We do what we've always been doing. Because I know a lot of people are sitting on their thumbs going, well, what can we do? Tell people about Jesus. The world, the government, the president was never our hope anyway. Jesus is. It doesn't matter. God's allowing this period for Gentiles to rule. For a secular government to be on the throne. He started it back in the Old Testament when he put them into captivity. He's allowing it for a time. But one day he's going to sit on a perfect kingdom, a perfect throne, a throne of righteousness. He will rule. Will you be there ruling with him? Because that's the reward for waiting and watching and working. That's the reward for surrendering and not being deceived. It's to be in that kingdom with him. It's not about this. It's going to all be thrown down. It's about our eternity. He's concerned. He says, woe to those who are pregnant. I say that today because they're subject to take your baby from you. They're subject to take it from you. They want to talk about women's rights? Leave their babies alone. You don't have a right to just have sex anytime you want and get pregnant and kill it. That's not a right. That's called sin. It's multiplying sin. All to chase something that's going to be burned up. And then he says in 18, not just that, but pray. He's talking to people who have a relationship, who are dependent upon him. Pray that your flight may not be in winter. Winter for them was in the rain season. It was rain. You don't want to go out when the, 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 the things are bad. Trying to flee with a, with a baby. For in those days there will be tribulation. The word means pressure, affliction, anguish, persecution. It's from a word that means to crowd out or to rub. It can mean anything in some ways. Tribulation, persecution can look like a lot of different things, but it's all designed to deceive you or to draw you to God closer. The sun will be darkened. Oh, and I'm not there yet. Verse 19. 
such as has not been since the beginning of the creation, which God created. Notice that plug there Jesus put in there. <laughs> he just wanted you to know that in the beginning God created. It's what Genesis mean. Nor ever shall be, verse 19. Now again, you know, when they went through this in A.D. 70, they probably thought, man, it's never been this bad before. Don't we always think that? I'm a guy, so every time I get sick, I'm like, I've never been this sick before. This is as sick as I've ever been. We always think that the next thing is worse than it's ever been. We're supposed to be looking and trusting and being content where God has got us. But listen, they probably thought that was horrible. But what if they were in 1939 and the Holocaust? Do you think that was worse than A.D. 70? What about the end of the age, at the end of the tribulation, when the Antichrist, in the middle of the tribulation? Because I still haven't finished that. We're going to get to it. We're still at the first of it. At the end of the tribulation, the judgment of God, when the blood is up to the bridle of the horses in the valley of Jezreel because of the battle of Armageddon against the enemies of the cross of Christ, where they've gathered there to think they can fight God. That's where this comes from. The heart starts with, I don't have to listen to God. Oh, did God really say? The heart starts with pride. I don't have to surrender my heart and turn toward home. And it ends in the valley of Jezreel in the battle of Armageddon where you're fighting against God instead of surrendering to God. God is not mocked. Let a man know that whatever he sows he will reap and if you sow to the wind you'll reap the whirlwind god has given us instructions in how we should live and what our conduct should be and where our focus should be and what our ministries are and we should be concerned about souls and about babies and about lives and praying and tribulation came in those days and it's coming again like you'll never see read read the final chapter Read the book of Revelation. Which I think they said Daniel's like the final chapter, the final book of it's not the final book, but they say it's like telling us the finality of the Old Testament, and then Revelation's telling us the finality of the New Testament or the world as we know it. So at that time it was it was since since such has been since the beginning of creation. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Again, uh, happened then. He's a God of mercy. It happens again then. Seven-year tribulation. Church is snatched away. There seems to be peace and answers and everything seems to be flowing good for three and a half years. Temples rebuilt. Then we have the abomination that causes destruction, just causes desolation. To make desolate or to lay waste again the temple and that worship. And he stands where he ought not. He's standing in the holy place, claiming to be God. And the nation of Israel realizes he ain't God. 
And again, they're going to have to flee. And they say that the mountains of Petra, is it Petra? They've already got them supplied. They're already ready for their fleeing of that time. Where they'll go in through this. It's a little, you barely get through it. And you've probably seen videos of it. You may, you may not have. You should be studying this stuff. You should be learning this stuff. This is how we're not deceived. Is by understanding what he's already told us beforehand. By seeing the stuff that's going on. And we can see the signs of the time. We know that we're there. We're at, the, we're at the doorway. No one knows the day or the hour. Except for the Father. But He is so merciful to us. Then He says in 21, If anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or look, He is there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. Notice that the deception doesn't stop until God makes the end of everything. And then that's even another story in the millennial kingdom. There'll be a time when the devil is released after that. Craziness. But we'll be with God forever. Then it says, but in those days, after that tribulation... The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. And I have ran out of time, but listen to me. Listen to me. Go home. Read this, study this, be ready for it next week. We'll finish this chapter, God willing, next week. I don't know how I couldn't get it done. Notice that this is talking about and, and repeating what was said in Joel 2. It was repeated in, uh, partially in, in Acts 2 by Peter in the first sermon of the church. And you're going to see uh, the elements. And you're going to see this is going to be the second coming. See, there's the rapture of the church. Seven-year period of tribulation. Halfway into it, the Antichrist goes and stands, and there's the abomination of desolation. And, and, and then at the end of that is the second coming. At the end of the seven years is the second coming of Christ with the saints because we've been raptured out. But, but it says you'll be coming in the clouds the same way he left. But, but I want, and, and the stars will be, look, look what it says with stars. The stars of heaven will fall. You see, many people go, man, the whole solar system and the constellation, everything's going to fall apart. No, this is talking about demons. This is talking about the stars that, 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 that Revelation 12 tells us that the dragon, a third of them he took with him. And the powers of heaven are shaken. It's an interesting thing. Even though it's real and it will happen in the constellations, it will happen in the sky, it will darken, all that stuff's going to happen, but it still has an underlying meaning talking about what's going on. Which blows my brain. Jude talks about it. We'll talk about it next week. Listen to me. Take heed that you are not deceived. Have you come to Jesus? Are you walking by faith? Are you seeking his face? 
Are you living according to what salvation and the gospel says? Or are you living the American dream? Are you living according to your emotions and your own perception? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in its way is death. And God delivers us from death, from the fear of death and from the place of death. He's a God of life. In fact, he is the bright morning star. All the angels in heaven are referred to as stars. But the dragon beguiles chapter 12. Some stars, a third of them, to come and attack and wait for the child to be born and to try to destroy that child. But the gates of hell will not prevail against that child. Isn't it weird that one of our biggest enemies of the church is Hollywood and they call them stars? I always think of stuff like that. My brain just does that. We want to we put them up on a pedestal like they're some kind of a star and they're famous. And when they, when they take the place in your heart of Jesus, they're demons. When they try to lead you away and deceive you, they're demons. I don't care whether they have it doing it with knowledge or without knowledge. But they go on the screen and they play evil parts and we watch them and participate in their evil. Think about it. That's leading you in, in your heart into deception, into sin, into turning your heart from God. Wake up. The stars are trying to deceive us. And God even warned us that we would worship the stars, astrology. Instead of listening to his word, we would make up our own religions where we read the, the horoscope and we follow what it says instead of surrendering to the spirit of God. And guess what? All of that's deception. All of it will be judged. All of it will cast us into hell. So we need to be careful not to be deceived. He's already told us all these things beforehand. What are you doing to walk out your salvation, to grow and to be involved in the ministry of reconciliation of souls. That's what the Spirit of God is on the planet doing, reconciling souls. And if we are in the house of God, we should be involved in that with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Father, thank you for your word. Forgive us, Lord, for our transgressions, our sin. Forgive us for not being involved in your kingdom. Forgive us, Lord, for, for loving deception. But Lord, now we've been reminded that our conduct should be different. So we ask that you pour out your spirit upon us and lead us in your ways for everlasting. That not our will be done, but your will be done in our lives. Give us a desire for souls, a desire to walk perfectly with you. And to do your will for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. 
If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I?